Due to the graphic nature of the personal accounts and content discussed in this podcast, listener discretion is advised. Many episodes will include graphic personal accounts and discussions of child sexual assault, domestic violence, physical abuse, rape, sexual situations, and suicide. everybody and welcome to Latter-day Survivors. I'm Christina and I will be hosting this episode today. I'm super excited for our guest today. Uh, We have with us uh, Maria McNeely. Uh, Maria is a really fun individual who reached out to me through my personal social media account and invited me to read a blog that she had started about her life experience and some of the the trauma and things that she'd experienced. And um, I took her up on that offer and I dove in and read all of her blog entries. And it's a great read. She's a great writer and I couldn't put it down. So uh, I reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to tell her story here on the podcast. And she's graciously agreed to do that. So we're super excited to have her. Uh, Maria is a woman, she is a black woman who was raised by her adopted white parents and she was also raised in Mormonism. So she brings us a very unique perspective that way. Um, and then has experienced some trials and some traumas throughout her life that, um, she has been working to heal from and has done an amazing job writing about in her blog. So I'm going to sort of leave it at that and I'll let Maria, tell us whatever else she'd like us to know about her. So welcome to Latter-day Survivors, Maria. Thank you so much. Um, so I, I guess I'll start by, uh, my name's Maria McNeely, and um, I'm also known as West Side Story Maria Maria. Um, and my blog is uh, <laughs> blanking on my, uh, the name. <laughs> Uh, Dear Colored Child, and um, that how I talked about or how I talked about my upbringing being adopted in uh, the the Mormon Church and how uh, my parents were and all that. But um, I'd like to share that with y'all today. Um, uh, I was born into Mormonism um, as soon as my parents, they took a train to Detroit from, from Utah, Salt Lake City, to Detroit, Michigan, where I was adopted through LDS Family Services. And 
um, from, and I was only maybe six months when I was adopted, maybe, it was pretty young. Um, and then uh, I was, oh, my parents were married at the Salt Lake Temple. I was sealed in the Ogden Temple. And I also have a brother that was also adopted with me, but he didn't come until a year, maybe less than a year later. Um, we're only 11 months apart. So um, when my parents got the phone call, they're like, oh, um, she has a brother. Do you guys, would you guys be interested in adopting her brother? And they were super ecstatic. And so they adopted both of us. And then um thing i think things were going well um we, my dad had taken a job uh at um a seattle hospital um fred hutch i think is what it was called and um and so we moved from utah to washington and i when we were about 5 or 6 is when my parents divorced um, uh, I don't really remember a whole lot before all of that. Um, it, I mean, as a kid, you kind of just like zone out certain situations that your parents are going through until it gets really bad. Um, and so I, I think my first memory when it was when I noticed it was bad was that there was a cop that came to the house and uh, my dad was in the shower and he just acted like he wasn't doing anything wrong and um and like the cop was like in the hallway and I I don't really know where my brother was at the time he was probably in his room but a lot of the fighting took place in my room um, between my dad and my mom and uh, um, and yeah I, I kind of drawn a blank on where to go from there but um, that sounds that actually sounds really really scary um, yeah to have one of your earliest memories be of like a cop showing up in your house and then also you said something so pivotal about a you said a lot of the fighting between your parents took place in your room um i imagine that that's really scary and as a child i think there's a reason why we blank that stuff out right because it's painful yeah. and you know in order to move on we we don't remember a lot of that stuff so yeah 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 um I guess some characteristics about my mom. Uh, she's, I mean, I love her so much, but, and we've gone through a lot, but like, I, like now we're good. And like, she's actually seeking help for, for herself. And like, she wasn't able to, um, she wasn't able to get seek help after the divorce and um, take time for herself. She just, because she was going to school, she was finishing up her master's, I think. And she 
she was just like going from married to she's a single parent with two kids and so there was like a lot of stuff that she's done that I mean as a parent myself now like I couldn't imagine like treating my kids the way she did and um like I guess there's a lot of like narcissist characteristics and um and uh she kind of doesn't she she'll when I say like what happened to me and stuff like do you remember this and she will not remember any of it so and that's just really hard because I'm like dad wasn't the only issue I mean yeah he was a big part of it but I lived with my mom most of the time so there was a lot that happened that I just it could have been better um yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of uh times where my mom would like sit on me and my brother and spit and wow calling us names and yeah um, yeah it's it's interesting what you said um about her not remembering that's that's not the first time I've heard that from people that have perpetrated abuse um yeah that and it's so hard because as yeah and, and as the victim it's unfathomable right that that this horrible yeah. thing happened and you don't even remember that it happened and it mm-hmm. i know for some people and i'm certainly not putting words in your mouth but for some people it really makes them second guess their own memories because their abuser is saying to them i never did that i have no recollection of that and so then sometimes for victims it makes them go well did I misremember that? Am I just not remembering things? It's so hard. Yeah. 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 And like, she'll, she'll always like, remember like what I did. Like she always Mm -hmm. goes back to the story of um, my dad used my brother and I to take things from the house that my dad wanted that my mom had. Mm -hmm. So he would pay us to take those things. And then, like, that's the only story that she'll keep going by. Like, oh, your dad yeah. paid you guys. Or I'm um, like, <sighs> like, it wasn't just my dad. Like, yeah, um, everybody had some responsibility here. <laughs> like, a, yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, like, I had to be. We had well, not just me, my brother and I. We both had to be perfect. There was always my mom saying, "Oh, I wish my kids were obedient," or um, "I just want my kids to listen," and um, stuff like that. And we, and we were always grounded mm-hmm. um, for the smallest things. And even when we tried really hard to like, if there was something we wanted, we had to do something. Um, everything had to be earned even when yeah yeah and even when it was earned it would get taken so Mm -hmm. there was there was just like why even try right Um, and that's that whole idea of wanting obedient 
perfect children that's very in line with the mormon paradigm right oh yeah oh yeah 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 always trying to uh be good for jesus and Mm -hmm. um like he knows your thoughts and and i that was like i think the scariest for me is because i had lots of thoughts and yep i'm like well, I can't really stop talking to myself. So I'm like, um, don't yeah. really know what to do. I'm pretty much screwed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I, I remember reading a little bit about that in your blog and I, I, I resonated with that so deeply because I had a lot of the same issue growing up in the church as far as thoughts go. Um, because I never felt like I had any, there was like absolutely nowhere I could go for privacy because even if I was in my bedroom by myself with the door closed, God could still hear everything that was going on in my head. And so that started this whole process of scrupulosity for me because the second I would have some thought that would maybe go against, you know, some negative thought, it was this immediate, like I have to repent for that because God knows I thought it. And it was just this never ending cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's overwhelming. It's really overwhelming to it is mm-hmm. even feel like that. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of the times when I was probably about probably like mid teenager, um, like my mom would mom and I would get into fights and she'd call the cops every single time. And I'm just like, why? Like, um, they they didn't really do anything when they got there. They were just like, oh, yeah. you guys need counseling. So wow. it was just because I'm loud, louder than my mom is. Um, yeah. I express myself louder. Like, she'll, like, when I'm trying to explain how I'm feeling, she's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want anyone to hear it. I'll wait till you're done talking like that. And then I'll try to fix how I'm saying it, but that's still not good enough for her to listen. And it's only about her way, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Um, And pretty classically narcissistic, right? Yeah. 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 And it's just mind blowing that she's she's actually reading a book about narcissism and I'm like, does any of this ring a bell? But she's just like, your dad, your dad. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this is awkward because this is uh, about you too. But she doesn't see right. it like that. I'm just like, yeah. How? Cause I mean, yeah. they both are, but my dad is like a, he's, what they call Disneyland dad like he doesn't have any rules he Mm -hmm. just pretends that he's a parent I guess like he Mm -hmm. um when I we would visit each other a lot um we did have visitation rights um after maybe a couple years after the divorce um and uh like when he like it would always be just fun things that we would do like 
doing like arts and crafts in front of the counselor when they were like supervised visits. Um, and, and then um, when he had like, we had uh, weekend visitations, he, mm-hmm. it would just only be fun things. There wasn't any much, there wasn't really a whole lot of like learning anything. Um, right. Uh, uh, he's more of like a, a risk taker kind of like he mm. um, like when we went bike riding uh, with uh, it was me and my brother and my dad we all went bike riding and they were like jumping off cliffs and I was not comfortable with that I don't it wasn't like a a really steep cliff I mean it kind of was but yeah um they were like, come on, Maria, try it. And I really didn't want to. And um, it, I ended up trying it and I got really hurt. Uh, I didn't break mm. anything, thankfully, but yeah, it just felt like every time we do something, I'm always the one that gets hurt. Wow. But he doesn't, he doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah. Do, you know, you you described your dad as kind of like the, the Disneyland dad. It was always just fun stuff, not a lot of learning. I was just curious from your perspective, do you think do you think he was that way to sort of make himself out to be the more fun parent? The the I think sometimes parents do that. You there's like one that's yeah. the disciplinarian and one that's the fun parent because they don't want to be seen as the bad guy. So it's like, yeah. oh, if you come with me, then we're it's just going to be fun and games and you can stay up late and eat candy and all the things you want to do, because then maybe you'll love me better. I don't necessarily know that they think that consciously, but yeah. I wonder if there's some unconsciousness mm-hmm. that goes on about that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hear that a lot from kids of, of divorce parents that sometimes they'll be like they always want to go to the one parent's house because there are no rules and they can do whatever they want and they're given a lot of material things sometimes from that parent too whereas the other parent maybe can't afford to provide those things and so then they they're you know it just pits it pits the kids against you know picking sides yeah yeah there was definitely a lot of that and my brother and I are very, very different. Um, like I, I like structure. I like rules, but like mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't like not having freedom. But at least I know I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And my dad is not any of those things. So my brother, that's um, I think around twelve, thirteen is when. We went our different ways. He went with my dad. I stayed with my mom. Mm. I mean, I did live with my dad for, I want to say, a little less than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still in school, and I I wanted to get out because um, he was also married. Mm. Um, his, his wife at the time was just awful. She mm. She was really hard on me. She did not like that I wanted attention from my dad. Like it felt like we were always battling who got attention more. 
Yeah. And like he used to take me to like country concerts and stuff. And then he completely forgot about me after he got married. So she was the one that went to the concerts instead of me. And Mm, I'm so sorry. uh, That's hard. Yeah. And uh, she also had 13 kids of her own. Oh, my word. Yeah. So the house. I was just going to ask, did the kids (laughs) live with both your dad and her? Yes. Okay. So you were not even, you were also vying for even just like physical space. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a lot. Um, wow. and like the old, the older kids were not very nice. They kind of kept to themselves or didn't want you around. Yeah. Um, and then I mainly hang, hung out with the younger ones. I think they were like a couple years younger than me. Um, and I mean, my brother and I were not really close then either. Like he, he mm-hmm. wanted to be around the boys which is understandable. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just felt like I was not connecting to anybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, and like she, like, I mean, I was 13. So like, you know, most 13 year olds are into like boys and stuff. And at the time there was MySpace. (laughs) So I was, um, yeah. 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 I'm old now. So no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um yeah, it, I I was a mess. Um but I mean I didn't I was with my dad, so I mean I didn't yeah. have any rules. So I mean I was right. allowed to do whatever I wanted. I could go wherever I wanted. He didn't care mm-hmm. where I was. So well, and I can't even imagine in a house a house of 13, 14, 15 kids with no rules I imagine that being chaos oh yeah 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 there was a lot that nobody see nobody saw Mm -hmm. um like my like his wife kept calling me a slut whore Mm. all of these things and I mean right in front of him and he he wouldn't say anything he didn't even intervene nothing he just pretended like I'm not a part of this conversation I don't need to say anything yeah that's so hard like the one person who's supposed to be in your corner there is just letting this letting this happen and then I imagine you know when you're just a young adolescent it's hard not to internalize those things as truth when your own parent is not even um, sticking up for you. Yeah. You know, so then, you know, what's the old saying? If you, if you, if you call a kid dumb often enough, he's going to believe it. So, I mean, what does that do to an adolescent developing brain when you have one parent who's calling you these horrible things and then your other parent is not denying it? Right. Right. It, it It gets in your head and it goes deep. Yeah. I'm I'm curious during all of this kind of term, tumultuous turmoil were you going to church at the time were you active in church and did yes. how did that play into things for you Yeah um I was uh I can't remember are you a beehive at that age? I think beehive beehive well I don't even know if the names are the same now but <laughs> at least yeah. back then 
Beehives were 12 and 13, and then okay. 14, 15 yeah. were my maids, and then the older girls were the laurels. At least that's, and I'm old. I'm old enough to be your mom, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it was when you were in the youth program, but. Yeah, it was those names, too. Um, okay. So I was still going to church. I mean, church was also miserable. It didn't matter, like, um, so my uh, so my mom and dad live in two different cities in Washington. They're like okay. maybe a half hour apart. Um, uh, my, um, I'm trying to like remember. I mean, I kind of zoned out a lot at church, mm-hmm. but I mean, the atmosphere was the same. Like I was still the only black person in both mm-hmm. buildings. Yeah. Um, well, me and my brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to girls camp there at my dad's, uh, in my dad's ward. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I guess I liked it at the time because my dad <laughs> thinks I, I love girls camp. Um, mm-hmm. But no, like I really, I hated it. I mean, a whole week with people that you don't know right. is a long week. Yeah, and like talking about God and you know trying to um, become a wife one day and a mother mm-hmm. and like learning all that in girls camp and the songs and the skits. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. Same thing. I, just, I remember that feeling so uncomfortable about a lot of that stuff. I yeah. I didn't. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I was, a, like you say, I was a teenager. Like, yeah, it's so interesting how they're as, as teenagers at a quote unquote girls camp, there are so many ways that that could be made really fun. Yeah. But then to spend this time t- talking about being wives and mothers, right? Yeah. Like we're teenagers and you don't want us to think about sex and you don't want us to think about boys and you don't (laughs) want us to think about this stuff, but then you're going to make all the lessons about marriage and motherhood. Yeah. Does not make any sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And then, you know, and then you have the unique perspective. You said you were the only black person there. Like, that's, that's got to be really hard. I don't know if you want to speak to that or how that, yeah. if that, if there were any unique challenges around that or how that made you feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people were like, Oh, can I touch your hair? And I'm like, no, oh. I don't want you to touch my hair. Yeah. And like at the time I'm like, I really, I like, I did not like the water because my hair would frizz up okay. into an yeah. Afro. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I really don't like that look because, I mean, the rest of everyone else doesn't look like that. Right. So, like, I don't, because my hair was either in braids or straight. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm curious when you said your hair was straight, um, I'm assuming you were straightening it. And mm-hmm. so my question to you was, do you, were you straightening it because you liked that look or were you straightening it more to fit in with other people? To fit in. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the last, even just in the last week, I've been having so many conversations with people about, about 
this idea of authenticity in children um, that uh, I was just listening to a podcast by Tim Ferriss. Uh, he was speaking with Dr. Gabor Mate. I don't know if you know that name. He's a fascinating, fascinating person who is a, a renowned expert on trauma and addiction. And in this interview, he was talking about how little children from the very smallest ages, there is this uh, underlying battle that goes on that's called attachment versus authenticity. They're both needs that human beings have. Uh, we, we, as humans and as mammals, we're wired to attach with other people because that's how we are taken care of. And it's how we're loved and it is essential for our survival. Um, but what happens is when little kids receive a message that the way they act, look, behave, whatever it is, is not in line with the people that they need to be attached to, they learned to, sh they learned to shut down their own authenticity and become whatever it is they need to become in order to maintain those attachments, because at a very primal level, we have to remain attached. And so we'll sacrifice the authenticity in order to keep the attachment. And so it's, it's interesting to hear your perspective on this, you know, trying to straighten your hair to fit in. Why? Because we are attached creatures and we want to be connected to the people around us and we'll do whatever we have to do to make that happen including letting go of who we are and then we get older and then we have to figure out who we are because we suppressed it for so long. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, like my hair and I mean, I felt like I was a lot thicker than a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. Like a lot of the kids were like skinnier and um I was just bulky in some areas, my arms, waist, mm -hmm. and it just felt like I needed to eat less in order to kind of fit in or even be looked at. But I mean, it it didn't matter. I I didn't really. I mean, I've never had a boyfriend that was in the church before. Okay. Um, uh like i uh the dances like those were awful like i oh, did not get i hated asked. them yeah um i no i no i was not i could be on the wall for the whole night but so interestingly I resonate with that also. And um, I'll share with you, and I think you and I have talked a little bit about this via private message in the past, but mm -hmm. just for listeners' sake. Um, and, and I've told my own story on this podcast, so I'm not going to rehash my entire story. But just kind of bouncing off of what you said, I grew up as a very fair-skinned white person in Hawaii. So I don't, I'm not going to say I understand what you went through because I don't think that's an appropriate thing to say but on some level I think I can really empathize with you because I was often the only white girl in a sea of brown people um and I also was not skinny a lot of people around me were skinny and same thing I was 
always last to get picked for whatever it was. I was never asked to dance. I was always picked last for, you know, whatever, if they were picking people. Um, I, I understand why representation matters. I understand what it feels like to feel all alone and it hurts and it is lonely and it goes at a really deep level. And I wish more people would stop and understand what it feels like to be the only person in a sea of other people. Yeah. It's hard. It's so hard. hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did. um, I did have a lot of friends that were actually like a little bigger Mm -hmm. because they were also like not being picked. So I did hang out with a lot of people that were a, a little bit bigger, but I mean, they were also going through the same thing. Uh, just, you know, from that perspective, uh, being yeah. lonely at those dances because it's mm-hmm. always the the hot ones. And, yep. um, and uh, yeah. The, the hot ones are the ones that fit the mold or the ones yeah. that, you know, were the popular ones or mm-hmm. had the or right had... family names or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I wasn't any of those things. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, like, they knew my parents were divorced. I'm black. Like, uh-huh. just marking off, like, absolutely uh-huh. not. Absolutely yep. not. <laughs> yep. Same. <laughs> all like, of the stay away boxes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I had them <laughs> like, all, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's And it's kind of funny because, of course, now I look back and I'm like, oh, you know, it sucked going through it. It was really painful. I wouldn't go back to that for anything in the world. But mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not connected to most of those people now because they're not my people. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, I've had to unfriend a lot of those people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think where I go from there. Um, well, while you're thinking about that, can I ask you another question? Yeah. So this interview, of course, is coming on the heels of Disney just having announced with The Little Mermaid that their remake. Oh, yeah. I was curious what your reaction to their Ariel was. I I was ecstatic. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know why people are like. I don't either. I mean, I've seen comments and I'm like, Ariel, like. Ariel's not even like a real thing. Like she's a mermaid. Exactly. Like why does it matter? Why does it matter? <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, she's she's brown. Like yeah. that's amazing. And yeah. People should be like happy for her that she even got the part. Exactly. Um, yeah, I thought I was really excited about it. Um, I thought it was very cool, and then I was watching all of those. TikTok videos that went viral of all of the black children who were reacting. Yeah, that made me cry. Oh, it made me weep (laughs) so many times. But again, it's like, I just wish people would watch this. And if you could just see these innocent little girls, these innocent little girls who just lit up when they finally had a Disney character that looked like them. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're white, it's real easy to say, well, what difference does it make that Cinderella's white? Who cares? Like, why is that a big deal to you? I implore people to watch these little TikTok videos mm-hmm. and see. It means yeah. the world to people to be represented and to see exactly. a representation of themselves in the media. You yeah, know? For yeah. 
because Princess Tiana, she's my favorite. Uh huh. Uh, sure. Yeah. Prin- Princess and the Frog. Um, uh-huh. And actually, um, when I was younger, I listened to a lot of Whitney Houston songs. Oh yeah. Um, on tape. <laughs> Uh-huh. Cassette, that's right? Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, and then uh, Brandy, uh, she played Cinderella. Um, oh, that's it's right. A, it's an old Cinderella. And yes. I, was, I would watch that movie over and over again. Yeah. Um, I'm like, she looks like me. Exactly. <laughs> like, this is important. I, yeah. I'm like, this is, I wish we had more, like there now there's like so many books about, um, being a person of color and mm-hmm. how to treat people. And I feel like there was definitely not enough of that growing up. And oh, I, just, I would almost say it was like near non-existent. Yeah. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm so happy for my kids to see all these different kind of books that they can learn about and mm-hmm. like how to treat different people or treat people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, knowing that people are going to be different than you, exactly. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Um, I know that in your um in your blog, you talked a little bit about the challenges that surrounded you meeting your future husband. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so we met at the Mormon church, and uh, he was actually a investigator. Is that what you call mm-hmm. him? Yeah, yep. I think it was yep. investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was a missionary because he was hanging out with the missionaries, and like he wore that white shirt and um, the black North base. So it was like maybe he's a missionary. And I don't oh, really right, right. look at mission. I don't really look at missionaries like that. So I'm like, well, let me just put my blinders on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, he ended up not being a missionary. He was just with the missionaries. And because mm-hmm. um, his dad, he is, um, he is LDS and mm-hmm. his mom is not. So, um, but his okay. mom at the time lived only a block away from me. And so, oh, okay. uh, like later that day, we found um, my mom got a phone call saying, "Hey, um, would you mind taking Zach to a seminary with you guys? Because you guys mm-hmm. are like a block away from each other." And she was like, "Oh yeah." And I searched for him on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's brown!" <laughs> Somebody Yay, else. a brown boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's Hawaiian and Filipino, um, uh, a little mixed with um, lots of other stuff. But um, yeah, uh, we like clicked instantly. Um, we were like messaging each other back and forth, and um, eventually, like we got to know each other a lot within like two weeks. And um, after two weeks, we like made it official. <laughs> Wow. The typical like Mormon uh, um, uh, relationships. The Mormon <laughs> they come kind of come off fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like he he wanted to go on a mission. Like he was actually like really trying. He got baptized. I think after knowing him a week at his mm-hmm. da- at his dad's ward. Um, 
and then we were just like getting to know each other like messaging and going to seminary together um and like we didn't go to the same school um mm -hmm. he went to a, a different school um than i but we were we were both seniors um and then uh like he my mom actually allowed him to come over he's like the only boy that i was able to bring over ever because he's wow. mormon yeah um, i was never allowed to bring anyone over unless they went to church oh boy and yeah that was another thing <laughs> Not like, not I like only... not like are they a good person? Do they treat my daughter yeah. respectfully? Like that that didn't have anything to do with it. It was about church because the dichotomy, interestingly enough, is that there are a lot of people out there who are not in the church who are super respectful and good people. Oh, yeah. And then there are people that you're gonna let in your house just because they go to church and they are not good people. Exactly. At all. Yeah. Yeah. So like where is the priority here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, I'm sorry I didn't mean no, to hijack no, your good. your train no, of thought you're there because it, it's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I'm trying to think where. Well, um, so I what we did have there was <laughs> there were some awkward moments that uh I mean I don't want to go into much detail because the story is like dramatic but funny on some levels. But like, um, like we were sitting on the couch and um, we were getting all touchy and stuff. And like my mom, my mom came in the room and she was all like, "What's going on here?" Like, <laughs> like yeah. any parent would know what was going on, but like right. she just pretended. Like, I mean, I guess my mom really is naive to like sex and stuff. And yeah. Um, like we never talked about it. Like there was yeah. no conversations about it. Right. Um, and so, I mean, we weren't doing to that extent, but like we were just like close and um, she was all like, Oh, well, I think it's time for Zach to go home now. But um, after that, like, I mean, he was still able to come over because, you know, he's Mormon. Right. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> he's automatically so. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like, she did make it hard to like, hang out. Like she would go back to the whole, you need to earn time with him. Like, oh boy. um, and like, uh, like I was like, we were barely able to go out on a date because like, um, she, you know, I had to make me earn it mm -hmm. by cleaning something or doing something. Mm -hmm. And, uh. You know, even though as an adolescent, dating people is like developmentally appropriate. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. this is de like developmentally what humans do as adolescents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we, I mean, we were finally able to go out and see the movies and um, I feel like we spent a lot of time just hanging out after school because my mom was a teacher so mm. sometimes she wouldn't be home when I get home. So she'd be, mm -hmm. so we would hang out for a couple hours. And then um, sometimes uh, he wouldn't have school. Then I would not go to school or mm -hmm. I would, um, 
get off I would uh get off at his stop which there is some kids from my school that got off at his stop Mm -hmm. um even though he didn't go to my school but I was able to and it was not hard to find my way home because it was only a block away right um so when I turned 18 is when I moved out I like it was getting to the point where like I could not like being a senior my mom wanted me to go to um BYU Idaho or Hawaii or Utah which honestly there was no way I was getting there because um to back up just a little bit um my mom controlled my education so for some reason like I did get help in some classes um Mm -hmm. like but like that was like in middle school and in maybe elementary school I did get some help because I was kind of a troubled kid you know being with divorced parents I kind of acted out a little bit Mm -hmm. so my mom um was able to I had an IEP Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with those but I am yeah so um, so for people that aren't familiar an IEP is an individualized education plan that um some kids can get if they have uh certain diagnoses that affect their ability to learn in traditional environments and so this is something I I don't I can't I don't want to speak for all 50 states I'm assuming this is a federal issue though that that, you know, all kids are, have the right to, uh, a, a public education. And as such, if they have specific needs that need to be met, they can get an individualized education plan and kind of have some, um, accommodations put in place to make sure that their learning is more successful. Yeah. Um, so I did have that in elementary school and middle school. Mm-hmm. and high school so um I was not able to get out of those um I wasn't able to pick my own classes in middle school and high school like I um at the time I just like I was at a I mean my mom thinks I was good at a reading level I mean I did know how to read and but like the comprehension was just not there and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to um, grow because I kept getting stuck in the same classes. So if I'm at like the eighth grade level for all that, I kept mm-hmm. being in the eighth grade level. Okay. And so <clears throat> I was not taking uh AP classes like I didn't get to graduate towards something more yeah so um it just felt like I because I mean not that being in those classes makes you not smart but that's how you feel sometimes and yeah like you can tell that you're in the smaller class setting toward Mm -hmm. like more that that than your friends Mm-hmm. or your peers and um it was well, also, I yeah also too if you if you're um if you're being withheld from some of those things like AP classes that you really want to be in you're also not realizing your full potential right I right. mean you mean yeah. you you could have had been exposed to so much more 
I, I wanted to clarify it and ask you, when you say you weren't allowed to pick your own classes, do you mean that's a result of being on the IEP or is it because your mom picked your classes for you? My mom picked them. Your mom picked them. Okay. Were you not even allowed to pick your own electives? No. Oh my gosh, Maria. Yeah. Maria, like, that is, I can't, that's so hard. Yeah. I mean, like, because high school is, I mean, let's just face it. I, well, I shouldn't speak for everybody. I'm going to speak for myself. High school is a, a nightmare. It is. Socially, it was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, it was a nightmare. Physically, yeah. I didn't fit in. I was the wrong color. I was the wrong size. I was all the wrong things. Then I can't even imagine not even being able to have a choice in any of the classes that I took. Like, yeah. you had, like, no control over anything. Mm, you know, because wow. my mom's a teacher and she knows better. Yeah. So that's, that's why. Wow. Um, her being a teacher was awful. I hated it. Like, I bet. She, she treated her students better than me and my brother. Yeah. Like, like, why can't, like, you have the same patience for your students, for your kids? But yeah. she did not. She, she, like, took out everything on us. So, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so I was not, able, I was, there was no way I was, I mean, I had a good GPA. I think it was like a three, somewhere between a 3.2 and a five. I, I don't know, but yeah. I mean, they were, that was classes. way higher than my GPA. I'll tell you that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, they were easy classes. So, I mean, I did take the, I think it's called the SAT and uh, I can't, the ACT. The ACT, yeah. Um, and for I BYU Idaho, you had to get a sixteen. I kept getting mm -hmm. a thirteen, fourteen, and a fifteen. So wow. I'm like, there was no, there was no getting there. Like I kept getting close, and then mm -hmm. like studying for that was so frustrating because it was math that I have never learned or right. reading that I never learned and. It, it was just like, I don't like my mom wanted me to take like she paid for me to take these tests mm -hmm. over and over again, just for me to fail and keep failing. Oh, and those tests are like hours long. Yeah, I remember and them. I, I would just sit there. I'm like, there's no point in doing this because mm -hmm. I'm not going to get in. There's no way. Mm -hmm. Um, And um. Uh, yeah, there there was just no getting into those schools, and and it was just killing my brain because I'm like, I because my mom wanted to send me off, and I I didn't want to be sent off to a different state to go to school. Yeah, I wanted to stay in Washington, mm -hmm. um, because I didn't want to be the only one again in a new place. Yep, and yeah I just didn't want to right and it would kept an ongoing battle of trying to tell her like can I finally do what I want to do after high school like why does it have to be BYU Idaho yeah um I mean she uh she graduated from Rick's Rick's mm -hmm. college at the time is what it was called and right um I mean that's where she wanted me to go but there was just it was not gonna happen and yeah it didn't so 
Um, so when I turned which, 18, I, uh, oh, sorry, what were we going to say? No, I was just going to say, which now it's probably a great thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, my grades were not good enough either. And BYU turned me down flat because my GPA was so bad. And I tell people all the time that one of my greatest happinesses in life now is saying that none of my nursing degrees come from BYU and they don't, I don't have that name on my degrees. Right. <laughs> Right. Anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying you turned 18 and then. Um, So after I turned 18, I packed up my stuff and left. Like, yeah, I was like, I ain't doing this because Zach's mom was super welcoming to me. Um, She was she understood what I was going through with my mom. Um, So I uh, she allowed me to live with them and. I lived only a block away from my mom. And the sad thing is, is we still went to church. Um, same wow. church as my mom. And um, wow. when we got there, I think we were, uh, it was like summer, I think when it happened, maybe June. I don't know. Um, but we were dating for a couple months, I think. And um, my mom had uh, spread some rumors at church saying that we were, being intimate before marriage and um and like people were all like maria you should know better i'm like what the heck are you talking about and then like people would not even look at me um uh, yeah i'm just like what the heck did i do like we're here at church together like that should mean more to people than what the heck we're doing in our spare time it should, Which shouldn't not, it? Yeah. Not be their business anyway. Right. But um, yeah, so it, it did occur to me that my mom was like, and, and someone messaged me about, uh, I think it was the, the Laurel president actually mm. at the time. She, she was like, hey, I mean, your mom is like telling everyone that you and Zach moved in together. Like what's going on? And, and I'm like, what the heck? I was just like, well, I really don't see the point in going anymore because people think we're doing something wrong, which mm-hmm. even though we lived together, we weren't doing anything. Right. Um, we were still like studying the Bible together and mm-hmm. reading together and just like trying. Sounds like, sounds like you had a great do... relationship. We really did. Like, yeah. And, I mean, we're married now and have three kids. We're doing just fine. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was really hard uh, being singled out like that and mm-hmm. um, by my mom, who she does not remember doing that. Of course she so, doesn't. That's convenient, right? Yeah. So I'm like, mm, okay, yeah. well, somebody did it. <laughs> but, but, and here's the thing, though, that, like, it's not anybody's business. It's not. <laughs> what you're doing. Like, the, no, people just make all these assumptions. <clears throat> well, if she's living in that house, they must be having sex. Like, that's it. Like, there's yeah. no other explanation for things. <laughs> a, it's not your business. But B, I feel like I never really understood it or noticed it at the time. But now I really see it. There's a lot of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, spying in the church. Like, there's oh, yeah. this, there's this need for people to know everybody's business. And then go report it. 
right? right. So, right. so if I think somebody's doing something that I don't agree with or goes against my personal belief system, not only do I disagree with it, but now I'm going to go talk to church authorities about it. Oh yeah, just stay out of people's business. Yeah. And yeah, like, how about we just be happy? Everybody's here. We're all like worshiping together. You right. know, what's yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it is just mind numbing to me. And I feel like, and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent. I'll, I'll stop here in a second, but I feel like in the church that that was a lot of what visiting teaching and home teaching was about. Oh yeah. It was, oh, yeah. it was this idea of, well, let's bring you this message, but really it was kind of like, Hey, go check on these people, see if they're towing the line. And if they're not come back and report it to us so we can either a talk to them or do whatever we can do to get them back on track. Like, right. right it's just this sure. like, just like spy program, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Kind of, um, so yeah, after we, well, I think that was like, um, I really don't remember the timeline. I guess it doesn't really matter. But yeah. after that moment, we stopped going and, um, and I mean, my husband really didn't want to be a part of the church then. So, but for some reason I kept hanging on to it. Like, I mean, that's all I knew yep. and I didn't even think to question it. So, I mean, right. I did read on my own, I think. And, um, even when, um, so we didn't get married until, so we were together in 2012 and then we got married in 2014. Okay. Um, so, uh, not in the temple, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, <laughs> we had a courthouse wedding because, okay. So I know this is kind of like going all over the place with oh, stories okay. and all that, but yeah, it's fine. It's um, totally fine. I did want to have like this beautiful princess and the frog themed wedding mm. and um did not happen. My mom was like, since I'm paying for it, it has to be in the church. I did not want to get married in the church. That's not even close to the temple because it's not, Yeah, <laughs> but it had to be in the church mm. and uh, mm -hmm. it had to be her way. So I'm like, you know what? we're not going to get married in the church at all. We're going to have a courthouse wedding. If you want to come, you can come. If not, well, that's where we're getting married. Mm -hmm. And it costs really nothing to do it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Good for you for taking that power back. Yeah. I was like, then fine. We're not doing a crazy wedding. Cause we, I mean, we were both working at target together. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't, I didn't want the added stress of getting married. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, we did that. Um, there was a lot of pressure to get married. Uh, we were from his mom's and her significant other at the time, not anymore, but mm -hmm. at the time, uh, it was just kind of rough because we were, we had to pay rent, but, um, it was kind of struggling because I didn't have a job at the time. My husband had a job at the time and, um, and not having a form of, uh, we didn't have a car, so mm -hmm. I didn't, I couldn't like 
really search for jobs. I had to take a bus. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just, and then, um, so from there, we moved into his brother's uh, brother's house. And there was like, they, they were also LDS. I have no idea if they're LDS now. Kind of mm-hmm. doesn't look like it, but can't really speak on that. But right at the time, they were very LDS and they did not like that we were in the same room together. So yeah. um, I'm like, doesn't really matter. We've already done it. So why does it matter if we're in right. the same room? Like, it's not going to erase what we've already done. But um, so they were like well you guys can get married or oh oh yeah and this was before we got married sorry um but you guys can get married or one of you has to live somewhere else so I um I decided to go live with my aunt in Utah so Zach and I had a long distance relationship for about nine months before we got married, um, I was in Utah and he was in Washington. So we were still trying to make it work, and we we were actually really good. I mean, there was yeah. there was a time where my aunt was feeding things into my head, like, "Oh, you're not married, so you can go date other people," mm-hmm. and like she was like, "Also, all my dad's side is LDS, all of them." Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I did go to a singles ward, and that was also the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, um, it was not great. I was again in a very awkward yep. church setting; like I was definitely the only one. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I there was sometimes that I that I did get asked to go on a group date. I didn't do it again. I was like, this is awkward. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, so I did do that. Um, I did still stay in contact with Zach. We were still like communicating and like, we did have a plan. We were like gonna, um, he was like, uh, he still had the same job working mm-hmm. at Target and making money. And like, he was going to save up for our first apartment. And then I was going to, get my license and um my driver's license and uh get a car I ended up getting a job with uh first it was Quiznos mm-hmm. which was the worst I was only there for like maybe a couple of weeks wow um they didn't take they did not pay me very well and um and like the the boss was awful like she had us come in on 4th of July for some meeting that could have been an email wow and did not pay for did not pay us to be a part of that meeting so wow yeah it was awful and I walked to Quiznos from my aunt's house to wherever Quiznos was in like Mm -hmm. 100 degree weather and Mm. um yeah so yeah my my aunt told me to yeah like (laughs) my aunt was like you better quit before I come in there (laughs) yeah so like all right I'll find a different job yeah but um uh from there i worked at fedex ground um distribution center Mm. um in north salt lake uh i i worked 
I don't know what you call it because it's not really nights, but it's like very early in the morning, mm-hmm. like 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. Yeah. Graveyards. Um, yeah. yeah. Graveyards. Um, yep. It was awful. Like they they should have fired me multiple times because <laughs> I fell asleep a lot. Mm-hmm. I'd wake up and the sun's up and I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> How long have I been out? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it was really hard. But like, they liked me. So like, they were like, we're not gonna fire you. <laughs> we're just gonna take notes, yeah. but not fire you. Right. But I'm like, okay. <laughs> so like, I stayed there for like, six months, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did get on with Target during the season, the seasonal time. Mm-hmm. And so I worked two jobs. I worked at FedEx, and I worked at Target. So mm-hmm. after my shift at FedEx, I would maybe get a couple hours of sleep and then go to work. Yeah. Um, I really don't know how I did that. Cause doing just staying at home with three kids. I'm like, I can't even, <laughs> I don't have that brain <laughs> anymore. It's hard. Yeah. I was like, this is not it. But, um, yeah. uh, but I was able to, um, get a car. So, um, I had a, uh, gold Toyota Corolla. Um, it's a good car. Um, and so I think, uh, I think it was like March when, oh yeah, uh, Zach did come up, I think in January, 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, he was there for like a week, I think. And he did propose like when he got off the plane, um, like in the, uh, Salt Lake airport, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, he did propose and, uh, we were going through with getting married, um, in April. So my last day of work was like in March. So. Um, I was able to transfer my target job back to Washington. Oh, so, good. Um, yeah, so I was able to keep my job, and we were actually working together. I mean, we were, I think we're in the same, kind of the same department. Mm-hmm. Like, we were both working overnight. Um, and I go from there. We did get uh, our apartment, I think, before we got married. I think. But yeah, so we've been we've been together ever since. Um, and I mean, it was just recently that I was like looking up ex Mormon stuff. Like I just happened to be on TikTok and mm-hmm. saw an ex Mormon thing. I was like, I didn't even know ex Mormon word even existed. But yeah, ex think... TikTok has <laughs> changed the face of the ex Mormon community. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that I think it was only I think in 2020 when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean I never I I mean people were like, why didn't you look it up like when you left? I'm like, I thought you know you're taught that the Mormon Church is the only true church, so I mean yep. you believe it. Yep. So you don't you think there's something wrong with you, not the church? Well, that's how they keep you in line your whole life right? If there's, Mm -hmm. if you're having an issue with something, it's always your fault because you're not praying enough or obedient enough or fill in the blank enough. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's always your fault. So why would you, 
why would you look that up when you left yeah. necessarily, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. It, it's just a lot. Like it's, and, uh, and that's kind of what inspired my blog is like everyone is coming out with these stories and I'm like, I guess my story is relevant and valid mm-hmm. now. Your story like, is extremely relevant and extremely valid. Yeah. And I never thought that like, I mean, um, and like putting it together and, um, I mean, I hope I've reached out to some people, but I mean, I'm just glad that my story is out there and, yeah. um, and you wrote yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like you released those blog posts pretty in pretty quick succession. Like you really, once you like, once you went for it, you really just dove in and, yeah. and got that whole story told. And I, I would implore listeners to go check it out because it's not that long. There are several blog entries, but like, I mean, you could sit and read it in a day. It's not, it's not super long, but such good points that you bring up in there and Maria actually dives into some other things in more detail that that you can read about on her blog but even as somebody as old as I am was like I said I'm old enough to be your mom there were so many parts of it that I resonated with too and and when you say oh I hope my stories reached people I guarantee that it has and the fact that it's in blog format means that it will continue to reach exactly who it needs to reach you know people will find you as as they're supposed to find you for sure but um I thought it was a really well-written story um uh I think it was you did an interview recently with Robert Peoples of Affinis Humanity yeah yeah that was a fantastic interview by the way um people can go to the Affinis Humanity Instagram site and and watch that And I think I had said this in the comments there, but I wanted to say it again here just to have my voice put to it that you had, I believe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But at some point in that interview, you had said you want to be a writer. And Mm -hmm. what I had said in the comments, and I'll say it now, is you are a writer. Like, you're already doing it. And the fact that you put this blog together just shows that you're a writer, right? Yeah. And you have a lot to say and you say it very eloquently. And I, I just would implore you that if that's an avenue that's speaking to you, I think you should run with it. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. Um, I mean, looking into um, uh, classes that I can take and mm-hmm. creative writing, um, where to start, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's in the works. I mean, it's probably going to be a, a little bit since my youngest is like a year. So. Yeah. How how uh, old are your kids? Uh, six. Oh, she, she just had a birthday. So she is seven and five and one. Wow. Yeah. So you're, you're a busy mom. Busy mm-hmm. mom. So I'm, your kids have never been raised in Mormonism at all? No. Oh, no. Okay. I do have a story. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the oldest one. Okay. So Zach and I did, um, so when we had our oldest, we had a lot of pressure with getting her blessed. And Oh, I think, I think I read about this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, uh, I really, we both really didn't want to, um, mm-hmm. but we also didn't want to make our parents upset. 
So, um, I believe she was, yeah, she, she was, um, by, I mean, uh, my dad, his dad, uncles, mm-hmm. um, my grandpa, I'm pretty sure was in a circle, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, we do have an Easter picture, mm-hmm. uh, um, at my mom's church. I mean, I'm, it blows my mind that we even went back there in the first place, but yeah, we did, I think during her first year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's amazing. Like going back to that, what I was saying earlier about attachment, right? Yeah. It's amazing. The things that we'll do for attachment, this mm-hmm. is, it's in our DNA. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but we did break off from it. Um, I can't really remember at what point, Sure, but, we did, uh, after we got married, uh, we lived in our apartment for like a year and then I ended up getting pregnant a year mm-hmm. later and, um, to have a one bedroom apartment in, um, in Washington, it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not working, Zach was working and mm-hmm. he was working, he had to work two jobs and it was just not working out. So we did end up moving in with my mom. And so I think that's why we ended up going back to church. Sure. Because um, my mom was like, oh, it would be cool if, you know, she could come. And I didn't really see a harm in it, but it was still like, uh, it just felt like I was just showing off what I look like now and how mm-hmm. I am now to people that I grew up with, like, um, like they were excited to see me, even though they stopped talking to me during that period. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, because, because now you, you were fitting the part, right? Because now you're married. Mm -hmm. So like, it's okay. We can, we can talk to you again and we can hang out because you're, yeah, you're, you're quote unquote doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was why. And Mm -hmm. I guess, like, showing them, like, I have a family of my own now, Mm -hmm. like, I'm good, like, I guess it felt good, but, I mean, it still felt like I had to keep proving my worth Mm -hmm. to be there, so, Mm -hmm. I think we just gradually stopped going, Yeah, and, um, um, and, like, moving out of my mom's helped a lot, because it felt like a lot of pressure from her to yeah. go to church. Absolutely. And, um, um, I don't, I just was curious if I could ask you about something. And again, yeah. you know, if anything's too personal, just tell me and we don't have to broach that subject. I'm really curious. So you're married, you have this baby now and, and it's a girl, correct? Mm-hmm. You're, you have all girls. Is that correct? Uh, one boy, one boy. Okay. okay. But your oldest is a girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've got this little girl, you're married, you're going back to church. You're sort of making this token effort, right. To please your mom and have -hmm. these attachments and whatnot. I'm really curious. And by the way, can I ask how old you are now? I'm 28. 28. Okay. So as a, as a, you're in your early 20s as a, as a young 20, 21 year old, I'm curious, were you aware of the church's previous stance on, um, 
uh, people of color not being able to have the priesthood. Was, was, were you aware of that at that time? Or was that something that kind of came to you later? Yeah, that came to me later. It came to you later. So when you were raised as a child, you didn't know this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's so interesting to me. And then I'm curious, once you found this out, how did that play into your, or did you find out after you were already out of the church, if you were still in the church, did it, did it change your Um, view on things or how did you, how were you able to process that as a black woman? Yeah. Like it, uh, it was kind of an eye opener. Like, Oh, that's why like there's hardly any black people in here. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I feel like they hide a lot of the church's past, like, like, Oh, it's in the past. So Uh it doesn't matter now, but it absolutely does matter because it does. This is why there's not any diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and like the way they treat people that mm-hmm. are of color, they're like, Oh, are you a visitor or, I mean, right. but I'm like, I, I've had to say that multiple times. I'm like, I'm not a visitor. My mom's right over there. And they're like, Oh, where? Yeah. The right one over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause you like, couldn't possibly, I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's so much that goes into it. And I just, I'm. I, I can't, even as a white person, I had mm-hmm. to swallow a lot of cognitive dissonance around this. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine as a black woman finding out that this is the history of my church mm-hmm. and how that, how that would, um, how you process that in your psyche. Like, how do you reconcile that when you're, raised in this paradigm I can't can't imagine how confusing that might have been yeah and then like reading about that um that some members of the church they believe that black people are rebellious and Mm -hmm. and that's why you are punished with dark skin and um and that's why there's a lot of white families adopting black kids in Utah like you'll see it everywhere yeah Um, and and that's and like I guess that's their ticket to heaven but um wow like like they're saving them I put that in air quotes of course yeah for people they can't see me but wow yeah it's just so hard for me to wrap my head around and Mm kind of as I I I know I've told a little bit about this before but I was really small when that priesthood ban was turned around. I was, I think I was probably seven or eight. So I, I don't remember the actual like time when it happened, but I remember a couple of years later, there being buzz about it at church. Now remember I grew up in Hawaii, right? So Mm -hmm. very diverse like area. And I, even as a child, I, there was in my small immature mind, had to swallow a lot of dissonance around this. I couldn't, I couldn't understand. People were so excited because, oh, the, this, there's no, now there's not a ban on the priesthood. Everybody can have the priesthood. And even in my little mind, I just kept wondering, but why wasn't it always that way? Like, why, why haven't every, hasn't everybody been able to have it all the time? I don't get it. I didn't understand it. And so we're just told to swallow this stuff from the time we're little because what do they always say oh we don't understand everything and god's ways are higher than our ways so 
you know, just have faith. And like you said, oh, well, this is in the past now. And now we've had new revelation. And so it just makes everything all better now and everything's good. Right. You know, I, it's just, it's so hard. It's yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm glad I, we got out before we even had the kids involved with the church because yeah. I would not want them to go through what I did. Right. And I mean, they're brown skin too, so yeah, they would definitely feel it. And um, I, it's it's not good. It's not, it's not good. A good feeling. Yeah. Um, and read just reading that like it all. Because I, I actually did ask my mom, I was like, so why did you, did, did you know, like, that people were taught, like, this way to treat colored people? And she was like, no, um, we, I mean, they couldn't have their own children, so they decided to adopt, but the race of the kids was not, it didn't matter to them which race they ended up having. Mm-hmm. Um which I, I mean, I, I believe that. I mean, she, I mean, she is also one that says she doesn't see color. So, mm-hmm. and she said that um, I'm like, oh, you kind of need to because yeah, I'm like she never understood why I would feel singled out in like everything, like mm-hmm. church events, home events, family events. Like it, it just, I just felt really alone. And yep. she didn't never, she never understood. She's like, Maria, you're making a big deal of nothing. Right. You're overreacting. You're being selfish. Because you can say that when you're the same color as everybody else. You get right. the opportunity to say that. Again, I understand what you're saying 100%. It was the same thing for me. I didn't want to be there because there were sometimes no other white kids. And I felt really like a, the sore thumb. Like I just stuck out. And yeah, that's a lonely really isolating lonely place to be yeah yeah Um, yeah so just like hearing all these stories and um and uh i i only read a little bit of the ces letter Mm -hmm. um i'm uh i mean it makes sense that it was it just didn't make any sense i mean i've read the book of mormon from front to back and i mean i I mean, yeah, I I mean, it did show a lot of like, like that dark skin was not like the Lamanites or Uh something like that. Well, I think they even Um, used the word loathsome, Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And I could be wrong on that. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say up front, I'm not trying to quote exactly and I may be wrong but I'm pretty sure the word loathsome was used to describe people in the Book of Mormon with dark skin it was always a negative connotation it was always because they had sinned or because the Lord was displeased with them and then the Nephites were told not to associate don't mix in with them don't associate with them like it's yeah. I've yeah. read the Book of Mormon cover to cover more times than I wish I had, more <laughs> yes, times than I care to admit, and every single time I had dissonance around all these things and I just mm-hmm. shoved it down and shoved it down and yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. And so now I'm, I'm really trying to talk about it and I'm really trying to pick it apart and I'm really trying to be vocal about it because we have to, Yeah. we have to call it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, well, I, I feel hopeful for you, for your kids that they're not going to be raised with that, that mindset that, that they're going to have a different upbringing and, and be valued for who they are, you know, exactly the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of personality and they're, then they know they're allowed to show it. So good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're really good kids. They're awesome. I really wish that I get jealous of them. sometimes. You say say that one more time. You really wish what uh, I get, I, I get jealous of them sometimes. Cause they're just so free spirited and yeah, but, um, that's I mean, but what a gift, what a yeah. gift to your children that you've, mm-hmm. that you've given them that, that they're not going to have to spend years and years undoing that, what, you know, what you're going yeah. through. But also I want to say like, good for you and congratulations to you for in, in the face of everything that you were faced with that you still chose yourself that you still you know stood up for yourself and said you know what this this isn't right like I I gotta get out of here like the self-preservation is big and good for you because like I know you said your mom now is maybe getting some counseling or therapy and and trying to work on herself but like some of us spent so many years in this and yeah it's I'm when you say you're jealous of your kids I'm a little bit jealous of people like you your age (laughs) (laughs) who who got out when you did because um yeah you know one of the things I had I was just talking to a friend a couple days ago and one of the things she expressed and I really felt it just deep in my soul was she was like you know I'm grieving lost time I'm I'm grieving like what could my life have looked like if yeah. I hadn't been raised in this, what could I have accomplished? Where would I be now had it not been for all of this? And, and you know, while we can't just sit and look at the past and wallow in the past, we do have to deconstruct it, right? Yeah. So we don't yeah. do the same things going forward. And, and grief is normal and grief is, yeah. grief is okay to, we, we need to feel our grief and work through that. But, for sure. but I just feel so hopeful for your kids and, I say all the time, I'm really hopeful for this next generation of kids coming up because I feel like they just as a whole are, are what you said, they're free spirited and they see the world in a very different way than we did. Because I feel like in a lot of ways and myself, certainly more than you, because I'm older than you, so sheltered. Like when I was a teenager, we didn't have the internet we didn't have TikTok. We didn't have any of that stuff. We had MTV and mm-hmm. we had um, people like yeah, just that. whoever was around you. That was yeah. it. And so it was very easy for us to get cocooned in these beliefs because we just didn't have a lot of access to views of the outside world outside of Mormonism or outside right. of our neighborhoods or outside of whatever bubbles we were living in. And, and these kids now have access to everything. And one of the things I've said is that 
I think one of the things the church never counted on was the internet. And now they're having to do a ton of backpedaling because they can't hide the history. They've tried to for a lot of years. They've whitewashed it and they've, you know, tried to hide it and pretty it up and whatever. Um, they can't do it anymore because this next generation is smart. And I've said all the time, like, they do not stand for bullshit. They yeah, don't stand for, for sure. injustice. They don't stand for a lot. And they're very vocal about it. And we need yeah. that. And I'm super hopeful. So like, keep raising your kids to be the free spirited people that they are, oh, because yeah. I think they're going to change oh, yeah. the world. I really do. I'm, I'm yeah. hopeful that they're going to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So what are you up to these days? Like, what are you doing now? I mean, obviously you're raising kids. That's probably the vast majority of your energy is raising kids. Yeah. And, um, but are you, do you have hobbies? Do you have anything else you enjoy doing? Um, writing. I've yeah. been listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. peers and listening to other people's stories. Yeah. And, um, Thank you for being a listener. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think i've listened to all of them wow <laughs> um which is a lot but yeah or at least most of them yeah but, um, it's helpful yeah, to know really that you're not inspiring. alone yeah 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 um I, yeah and like a, another thing that um that was like really hard for me was um my patriarchal blessing oh yes <laughs> yeah um that uh i kept I finally have been able to like put those thoughts away, but mm -hmm. like in my patriarchal blessing, it said that you'll have many sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. I only have three. So I'm mm -hmm. like, um, I, what if I don't want that many? Like I, that has thought of, I'm like, and, uh, I can't remember what else it said. Like I'd be physically fit my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm definitely not athletic anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, just not. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. And, yeah. And, um, well, uh, two, two things about that. Number one is they'll tell you all these things in your patriarchal blessing, but then at the end or even sprinkled throughout, they always will say, but you know, this is predicated on your faithfulness. So this yeah. is how they absolve themselves of making promises to you. They make all these promises. And then at the very end, they're like, yeah, but really it's up to you. Like you have to be faithful or none of yeah. this is actually going to happen. But mm -hmm. something else you just said, I wanted, I wanted to hit on because I feel like you, I don't even think you know what you said. So you just, you want to be, <laughs> you, you are revealing you're you're giving us revelation here it yeah. was the simplest thing that you just said and i think it is the crux of everything you said what if i don't want that yeah. and that is that is the crux of all of it right mm -hmm. everything in the church you're told your whole life path here's your roadmap for life these are the things you're going to do these are the ages that you're going to do them at these are your goals here's what you have to do what if I don't want that? Right. What if I don't want it? Mm -hmm. And, and you're like, well, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't even, um, match with their thinking. Cause if you were to say something like that, it, the answer back would be like, well, why wouldn't you want that? It's right. the path to salvation. Like, 
why on earth would you want something different than this plan of happiness that we've given you? And so then we just destroy all these dreams of that people have because they're not allowed to decide or think or feel like they could want anything else. And so they just keep suppressing and suppressing and suppressing and suppressing. So yeah. What if, what if I don't want many sons and daughters? What if I don't even want to get married? What if I don't want any children at all? Like that's a valid life path. Yeah. But somehow in the church, like that's not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't think my mom wanted kids, but (laughs) maybe she felt obligated because that was her Mormon. Like, you have to do this if you want to get to heaven. Yeah, it's abusive. Mm -hmm. It's abusive that that we teach kids these things. Like, we just keep wanting them to fit in the boxes that we should we that we think they should be in instead of just letting them be the free souls that they are. Yeah, yeah. this is good for you. I, I admire you for your kids are so lucky to have you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, is there anything questions. else you wanted to add to your story? Um, I feel like I covered it pretty good. I hope I did. Yeah. <laughs> I know it was kind of all over the place. No, no, no. It's, it actually was good. And, you know, my other co-host, Kendra, she says this all the time, and it's so true. There is beauty in rambling and there's beauty in going back and forth in your story of like jumping around because it's, it's through that jumping around and that rambling that we actually make more connections about things. And we'll, somebody will say something, you'll be like, Oh, like I hadn't thought about it like that before. Oh, I just remembered this memory since we've been talking about this and it makes you put things together. And um, there's a lot of healing that happens that way. Um, I know you said it at the beginning, but I wondered if you would tell people again where they can find you. So your blog and your Instagram handle and any other way. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to pull up my blog so I don't. Sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. Wrong. But um, it's uh, my blog is Dear Color Child. Uh, you can find it. Um, you can find the link in my Instagram page. Uh, my Instagram name is. Uh, West Side Story underscore Maria Maria, and you'll find that link in my bio. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I encourage everybody go give Maria a follow. She's she posts some really really good content, and um, check out her blog. Like I said, I've read the entire thing, uh, and actually found out that you and I connected a little bit on location too because. Um, some of the things, some of the places that Maria had talked about in her blog, I figured, we figured out we lived like within minutes of each other, I think in some areas at some points. Oh, wow. Yeah. I so, forgot. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you mentioned, I think it was when I first asked you about it was when you mentioned the Jean Juarez salon. <laughs> oh yeah. So for anybody, yeah. anybody, any Washingtonians will know yes. that, that where Federal that is way. federal way. And, um, I actually, when I was first married and first had kids I lived in federal way for about 10 years so we found out we were I actually used to go to Jean Juarez salon in my early married (laughs) days and get my haircut there because haircuts were cheap there (laughs) yeah yeah that's yeah that's why we went there (laughs) yeah yeah exactly my mom could afford but um yep yeah Yeah. I I looked ridiculous (laughs) because they did not know how to do my hair right and and that's so so that's something else you probably had to learn later too right was 
how do I do my own hair? Because I didn't have a parent that was able to teach me that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that was a struggle for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I wasn't really allowed, I don't really know or remember when YouTube was even out, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't think to go on YouTube or right. like, I don't know. I didn't yeah. really don't know when that came out, but yeah. Um, now it's yeah. good. We have access to everything now. Yeah. I say like, if you have internet access, I, I'm, I feel like there's nothing you can't learn how to do now on the internet. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or nothing that can't be revealed through Exmo TikTok. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, well, thank you so much for being with us, Maria. Thank you for yeah, thank you for your candor, for your vulnerability, for sharing your story because it's important and it's 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 important for the people that are listening because the people. We always say people are going to, the people that are supposed to hear your story and get something from it are going to do that. But mostly it's important for you. And it's important for you to know that you're, you have a voice, your voice matters, your story absolutely matters. And it's through the telling of our stories that we really can dive into healing our own souls. And so um, we're just, thank you for feeling safe with us and and allowing us to share that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Latter-day Survivors. You can find us on the web at latterdaysurvivors.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Latter-day Survivors. And we're on Twitter at LD Survivors. As survivors of trauma and abuse, we wanted to provide a platform for survivors to share their stories. Many survivors of all types of abuse may be able to recognize and relate to the patterns of behavior in the victims, abusers, families, and friends of the stories shared by other survivors on this podcast. Often, as we escape oppressive family, religious, and social constructs to a safer place where we come to see our abuse and all related issues, we are better able to process and begin to heal. We believe that when we share our stories with others, we can also help them to heal. It can take decades for survivors to find the courage to speak about these things. If it is so hard for adults, imagine how difficult it is for a child to speak up. We hope to normalize these discussions so that children can speak to adults earlier. As adults, we must listen and recognize the severity of the abuse, its potential consequences, and the need for action to stop the abuse as early as possible. Just knowing we are not alone that there are other people who have felt and do feel the same or have endured similar experiences in life can remind us that we are not alone in this.